Lord, let us understand that your promises are, are so broad and sweeping and marvelous um, that uh, if we if we truly believe that they are true, that we would go up against the enemy and take the land <laughs> and do the warfare and don the armor of God and just believe that every place we put our foot will be given to us. Um, but Lord, we have seen over the ages, according to your scripture, that man has failed in every opportunity you have given him to possess the things that you freely give. But yet, Lord God, at the end of each age, there was always that small remnant whereby you have, have uh, picked out for yourself according to grace and according to election. You have uh, held out uh, that body of individuals at the end of every age that truly uh, had been obedient to your call and had appreciated the blessings that have come with your promises. And so, Lord, may we be for this little body and for all the other Bible-believing churches around the world. May, uh, may there be uh, an awakening as to the nearness of the coming of our Savior. And may there be a sense of urgency in each one that uh, the night is far spent and the day star is approaching. Yes, Father. So we say, Father, that we praise and glorify your name. And we, we pray, dear Lord, that that which you promised us here, the purpose for which we are redeemed, is that you might receive glory throughout all the ages. And it's, it's us, Lord. Yes, it will be the demonstration of your grace to, to all peoples, but particularly, Lord God, to the church. Uh, it is the church that will be wed uh, to Jesus Christ. Mm. And there will be many guests at the wedding supper, but we will be the bride. Dear God, and this wedding, uh, you have already paid for. And there is no bill to come due to any of us, Lord, for as all things in your salvation have come in grace that this, this marvelous blessing of being the bride of Christ 
may we walk worthy, therefore, that when he comes, we will not be ashamed, mm -hmm. but we will simply rejoice without, uh, without carrying uh, any baggage into uh, that new existence, but be prepared uh, because we have kept our eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Blessed be your spirit that reveals all that you are uh, without limitation mm -hmm. in our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. Take this study tonight, Lord, and use it for your good purpose. Yes. And we pray and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And my friends, uh, as all of us have watched what is occurring in the world around us, I think many of us, if not all, are coming to a solid conclusion that we are living in the last of the last days and that we are going to get a foretaste of, of what happens when the majority of the inhabitants of this world uh, do not give you uh, your proper respect. And Lord, you have seen it. We know a day is coming, Lord, for all of those who have rejected the gift of eternal life. When books will be opened, the book of life, there will be a book uh, containing and uh, delineating every evil work of every man. And Father, that the to conceptualize the uh, devastation of unbelieving humanity at that moment when the billions will hear the words of condemnation according to their works. Lord, uh, we Thank you that you've saved us for your own sake. And we pray that we would be effective in representing you before as many of those who otherwise would end up at that great white throne on the wrong side of things. Yeah. Dear Lord, mm -hmm. uh, that, that day is soon to come. Uh, I think that the, the preparation is well underway. Mm -hmm. But as I told you on the first day, uh, as I recall, of our meeting here online, that what you're seeing and are going to see is, is going to be the preparation 
for the coming of that wicked one, for the the one that man of sin, the Assyrian, uh, the prince of this world, uh, the devil, Satan, all of his evil uh, will be poured out in a in a slice of eternity and then Lord God uh, you will put an end to his work uh, at least for a thousand years and then you will you will put an end to it absolutely and forever mm -hmm. these things we believe yeah. and we therefore uh, finding it difficult to watch what is happening around us. Yet, uh, as, Pat, as Patty even said tonight, we are heartened to know that the time is short and that his coming is soon. When we read Ephesians, we are, we are walking in the heavenlies we are making a survey of the higher ground which has been purchased for us by the blood of God's own son the description of this heavenly land to which the church uh, has title deed through Almighty God as a gift. That that land is described to us in the book of Ephesians in the first three chapters. And then the last three chapters, as so much of scripture uh, intimates, when when God gives us a picture of the high ground at the beginning of most of the epistles. Then he tells us towards the end of those epistles, based on that, then what manner of men ought we to be? There is great motivation uh, to be had for those of us who will take seriously the, the, the desperate time that is to come in the earth and the suffering and the, uh, the working of evil uh, in a way that the world has never seen. Uh, and it will be as we see it now, as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, starting in for tonight, after finishing his prayer for those uh, at Ephesus and the other churches to which this letter went, um, and Paul praying for those people, telling us in the end that that Jesus Christ has been lifted up above all 
$50,000. That's now. Uh, he told Peter, uh, not for nothing, that he would build his church. Understand, when the church is finalized and that last person is called, it will be the exact last one that God has planned on. He will build his church. If we are faithful to him, it will simply because he has given us the capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. That we, uh, by faith and by obedience and, and love of God, that we say, Lord, the land is before me. Will I not put my foot on it? Will I examine myself and ask you, dear Lord, that you examine me, that uh, I be not in a position where I would be ashamed when you call me into the air. May that be for each one of us. For the, the night is far spent, and it is a time uh, not to make merry, not to indulge as whatever capacity our uh, labors in the earth have brought us, not to indulge in, in living uh, for the uh, satisfaction of the flesh, our living according to the imaginations of a fleshly mind. And so all things have been put under Christ's feet and God has given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that felleth all in all. And starting with verse 1 of chapter 2 of the epistle of Ephesians, we find the conjunction and, and I will say to you again that all these manuscripts were written without verse or paragraph or, or chapter division. Uh, the fact that Christ uh, has all things under him and he, uh, his body, um, which is the church, is destined to be the fullness of him that's that's what that is for us we are to be his fullness in the earth when the god of the universe has called upon you and i to to glorify him we are god's body in this earth whereby he will get glory that is an absolutely uh, mind-numbing prospect that how we behave and what is our uh, conversation in this earth is is made available to us to do at the will of his good pleasure. This is why, why we're here. Yep. And so, 
Paul says, and you now speaking to the church uh, at Ephesus and Laodicea and wherever else this letter was delivered, maybe to all the churches in Asia Minor, I do not know. We know it just didn't go, we believe it did not just go to Ephesus. And you, church, hath he quickened. The word quickened means made alive. Uh, and so as we go back to Romans, we, we read, uh, for you are dead. And you can be made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. The wages of sin brought us to death. And the first Adam failed before God, but the second Adam did it right. And he lived it perfectly. And then he offered himself up. Remember, he was a willing participant in fulfilling the will of the Father. He he cooperated to offer himself up, whereby we, we uh, whom are beloved of God, and that is all mankind, that we be made alive. Mm -hmm. And if we're alive, then the darkness has passed. Then we no longer have to walk in that darkness of death. But we have the capacity to walk in the light. To what degree? Well, John says, even as he is in the light. Now, how high a calling is it? Uh, what What is his message to us regarding to uh, the level that we can reach uh, that gives him glory to prove what he said later on here in chapter 2 to prove that we are his workmanship and that we were and are created in Christ Jesus unto good works whereby we will, we will be a glory to him forever. What a marvelous thing. It is no small thing that God has done. It is the largest thing in the universe what Christ has bought and the, the price that was paid was beyond comprehension. You had he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. So as I read there in 2 Corinthians 5, for it is God who maketh light to shine out of darkness and to call those things that are not as though they were. It is him who has quickened us based upon that perfect sacrifice and that perfect uh, possession that he made of us. We are not our own. You have liberty in Christ, but you are not the Lord of your life in the economy that pleases God. You are made to do the will of God. You are made to consider what is to what level of workmanship, to, to what perfection does God work 
when he has chosen to do something and given all capacity for it to be done, to what level can we attain in Christ Jesus, having been made first alive and then been given all things uh, through Christ, which is his body, the fullness of him that fell us all in all. Knew whom he hath quickened, who were dead in trespass and sin, wherein, and this is the description of who we were, and if you were saved as a small child, blessed is are you that possibly if you caught on and if you if you had parents that began to teach you as a very small child, what are the riches and abundant uh, gifts? through Jesus Christ, then uh, it is better never to have known uh, the darkness of walking uh, by the lust of the flesh and the pleasures that we perceive that the world makes available are the, the imaginations of the fallen mind. Time passed, you walked. And many of us know how we walked. Many of us know that even after we came into the right relationship with God through the justifying blood of the Savior, that often even then we took our eyes off Christ and, and walked according to our own will. I'm so thankful that God foresaw all of that. And he made a provision, one, that we have a high priest who is at his right hand, who makes, uh, makes intercession for us based upon the work of the cross. But that God does not choose to save those who are going to forever rebel against his lordship and her life. The scripture teaches me that he saves those, he makes elections based upon what he foreknows. And uh, if any man be in Christ, then may he depart from lawlessness. In other words, may he depart from being the master of his own life. May he depart from the restraint of the love of God that is placed in him uh, and that should be the description of what we how we walked uh, according to the course of this world before we were saved but unfortunately and and thankfully in Jesus Christ there is forgiveness even as we walk as we fail if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And would it be that God's people would keep really short accounts with God in regard to sin? May we understand when we are tempted that to be tempted is not sin, but to, uh, to basically choose to move forward into that darkness is, uh, 
is an affront to the gospel of grace that has been made available to us. But in the past, we walked according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And I remember what Christ said to those that the, all commoners in, in Israel, to those that they lifted up to be the epitome of righteousness, Christ said, you are whitewashed sepulchers. He said, your righteousness before God is nothing more than filthy rags. Uh, because they did not walk by the power of God. They walked out of the power of their own imaginations. And anybody who does that makes themselves their own God. And by the way, that is the message that is overtaking the church today. The message that's overtaking the seeker-friendly movement, the uh, NAR movement, the uh, uh, global church movement, is that you are God. And that all you must do is meditate and look into yourself, and you will find in yourself that goodness out of which you might, uh, you might walk well. And that has always been the lie. That was the lie to Eve. She said, well, the Lord said we shouldn't eat of that plant or that uh, fruit of that tree. And Satan's deception was, yeah, God knows that in the day you do eat of it, you become like him. And that is what the church is moving towards today. And I tell you, when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be few of us that he will find that still have our wagon hitched to him. We will have our wagons in the church and Christendom hooked to everything else except and apart from simple faith and obedience and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, walking according to every kind of satanic deception and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And when Christ approached those Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, if you were a Pharisee and you heard that, would you love him? Would you? Would you fall down before him if you were a Pharisee? Of course not. The word came finally in the end. Crucify him. And this is the heart of everyone who looks into themselves when Christ calls upon them to by faith put themselves on that cross in Christ. Reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. They look at that and they say, there's got to be a better way. And they find it within the darkness of their own heart.
and there's great deception. And it is religion. And it is an abomination before God. It is idolatry to worship yourself. And those who rely upon what they find in their own hearts will face the judge in that final day. And so the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, the same spirit that allows, and, and we see building in the earth today, do you not see in the world since just the beginning of this year, do you not see the working of the enemy to deceive men and to bring the world into a position whereby they will be ready to accept anybody who claims to have the answer and he will be the very one who in the middle of it all will claim to be God himself. And yet, there are so many deceived in Christendom today who are already calling themselves little gods. I am not exaggerating. That is part of the, uh, the uh, what is called the, the faith promise movement. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, for example, teaches that we're all little gods. Uh, and, and when we look into ourselves to find the truth, that's all we're doing. We are holding ourselves up as an idol. And God is watching. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation. That word means our way of life. Among whom also we all had our way of life in times past. Dear God, mm -hmm. would that be the description of each of our lives? That that was true of us in the past. But may it not be named among us today. Conversation in times past and the lusts of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh. My friends, the Supreme Court ruled very recently for over a dispute in Nevada whereby uh, the casinos, the gambling houses wanted to be given special treatment in regard to the transmission of the coronavirus and so they were they petitioned the Supreme Court and were sided uh, with by the Supreme Court, whereby Nevada law now allows the casinos, if a casino held a thousand persons, uh, they could have 500. That's 50%. But that same state has ruled.
that any church, no matter of what size, cannot have more than 50 attendees. 50. You can go to the casino with the thousands, but you can't come uh, into uh, the place of worship and join with other believers. And this is just a foretaste of what is coming. Because what is coming is open uh, discrimination, and to what level, I'm not sure, against all of those who would claim Jesus Christ. And so there are the lusts of the flesh. But then, as I mentioned Sunday morning, there are the are the lusts of the mind. Do you understand that is different? If if I become obese because I can't control my own eating habits, and, and I'm using myself an example because uh, uh, there's some some truth to that statement regarding me, and I'm really thinking about it, and I am, in it, and am determined in Christ to overcome it. But to eat food is a desire of the flesh, and it's good. But to consider that I would uh, am lifted to a level where I might lord it over other members of the body, or whether I, according to my own mind, might perceive myself not to be simply a subject of the Lord Jesus Christ, but to become a judge in his church, then that is a sin of the mind. That is a conclusion that we have come to whereby we hold ourselves up even when we do the old the, the same things that those we judge uh, are doing or at least we perceive that they're doing and that is a, that is a problem in the mind uh, how I perceive myself and on what level uh, whether I am Proud, pride isn't is a self deception that comes through the mind, and it is not a sin in the flesh, but it is what John calls the pride of life. Uh, because human beings are amazing creatures, even in their lost condition, and they 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 tend to have pride. And, and they carry that pride throughout their whole life. That is the kind of, of desire or lust of the mind that Paul is speaking of here. And that is something that should, that will be found in every lost person, but is not to be found in those who call themselves by the name of Jesus Christ. And so 
let us consider Philippians chapter 2 and consider that our Lord was obedient, that he did not grasp or hold on to the fact that he was indeed God, but he humbled himself. Now, if Christ humbled himself before his Father when he had every prerogative and had every power and every capacity of thought and will that the Father has, but he humbled himself and became obedient, even the obedience of the cross, can we do less? Because we are bound, possibly, by the lust of our own mind. And I tell you, the mind is a, is a playground for the working of the spirit of Antichrist. And he, he desires to destroy and to deceive and to kill. And he will use the mind, even of a believer, as his place whereby he has gained a foothold or a handhold in our own life. Verse 4, but God, and by the way, notice it says in verse 3, that those who walk in that way are by nature, that's who they are. This is one thing that, that I wish, I wish we all could, could be very good students and come to understand that when we believed in Christ, we received a new nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, if that is true, then what is God saying? He is saying you are no longer by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but you are children who are partakers of the goodness of the grace of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And that that which you claim ought to be worked out in your life. And that our life is spent working that out. My friends, when Joshua went into the promised land and they crossed over the Jordan in that day and every one of the, the two million of them or one and a half million that walked over the Jordan that day, it's some number close to that, they had to walk right by the Ark of the Covenant because the priests walked into the Jordan, the, the waters of the Jordan receded, the people walked over on dry ground, the priests stood in the middle of the river, and every person who, man, woman, and child of Israel had to walk 
right by the Ark of the Covenant and know that the word of God is given to Moses was there yeah. and it concerned them. And they had already promised that they would not break that which God had commanded them. It was a reminder for them mm -hmm. that the reason they walked over on dry ground was because God first went before them. And he held the waters back and they walked over. They put their feet in the land and they traveled only a short distance after an encampment and in a within a short period of time what were they faced with yeah. jericho yeah. you know god had gone before them mm -hmm. yeah. they sent spies out from gadol that's the land the, the name of the the ground that they put their foot on when they crossed the Jordan was Gugal. And that was their, uh, that was their place where they set up their ensign. And that's the place they made their headquarters as they started the process of acquiring possession of the land. And before they went in, Joshua sent out spies to Jericho. And when they got to Jericho, they came across a woman who was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. And Rahab spoke to the, the spies. Yeah. And here's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. She said, all the people, both in Jericho and all the tribes in this land, have already heard about you and they all fear and tremble that you are now moving forward to take what God has promised and God they have seen that God dried up the Red Sea they have seen what God did as he went before you to in the tribes that that came against Israel while they were yet in the wilderness. Yeah. And they have seen these things and they tremble for you. Yeah. And she expressed that, that they would be su successful. Yeah. And she believed what, that God's purpose in that nation was to be as he promised. Yeah. And because Rahab had that small faith that God, out of all the people of Jericho, saved her. Remember the scarlet thread put in her window, whereby when the armies uh, took Jericho, only Rahab and her and her offspring and her family were saved. And you know what? When you get uh, to the book of Matthew, you find Rahab, the harlot, in the lineage yeah. Yeah. of Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. God chose. Is that not grace? <laughs> yeah. 
Is it not glorious? Are the words true of verse 4? But God, but God, it's always that. We would have messed it up. We would have failed uh, to hit the mark. But God, well, what about him? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. He loved us while we were yet enemies. Christ died for the ungodly. Is there anybody like him? Not, not only having the power with the word to create the universe, and that was without effort. He spoke a word, and it is, we all came into being because God creates out of nothing. And that is what he does. And it is a small thing for God. But he, that one who gives account to no one and who is within himself all that is right and good and merciful and loving and just, that God loved us. And in his wisdom, he found that through us, he would be given glory into eternity without end. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. And then in parentheses it has, by grace you are saved. Did you deserve it? Did you do something of merit? And do you yet today say with Paul, I know that is within me, there dwelleth no good thing. Do we find, therefore, that to live is Christ mm-hmm. and to die is gain. Not only did he make us alive, verse 6, he has raised us up together. Together with who? No. Together with Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Romans 6, don't you know that as many of you were baptized and Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And so if we are planted in the likeness of his burial, we will also be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Made alive because we were in Christ. We were in Christ because God foresaw. You understand. 
that before the cross, before time, before anything was made, God knew you in Christ. And therefore he's raised us up in Christ together and made us what? To sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what God has wrought. Would I have ever considered it? Would the wisest man, the greatest philosopher, the most, the one with the most intellect, would he have predicted? Or would he have outlined such a way of salvation? No, it would have been unthinkable, unsearchable are the riches. Unsearchable is the wisdom of God in your and my salvation. For it is salvation that is in Christ. And there I am and there you are today. Yeah. Sitting at the right hand of God. Not just, this is not simply uh, an expression that we should look at as a symbolic gesture. You are in Christ. Your life is hid. Paul says it again in Colossians. Mm -hmm. For you are dead yeah. and your life is hid. Yeah. <laughs> with Christ in God. And so we not only got put into Christ, but because Christ is God, we are in God himself. Is there anything better he could have done? What more could he have done to save us from ourselves? But to pour out his grace and his, his unsearchable riches in any other way. What more could God have done? Because of it, whatever this world brings, you and I sit with Christ right there at the right hand of God in the heavenlies. Mm -hmm. You are, that is where your life is. And it is not an expression. It is the reality. And if you know you're there, then you will walk accordingly because you will be there to fellowship with the truth and with the life and with the power of god whereby you might own all that he has laid before you in christ jesus why did he do this verse seven that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. It amazes me how, how people often bring God down to the level of a man. 
know what God does is lift us to his own level. Not that we are gods, but we are sons of God. That we are members of his family. That we can call Jesus Christ our brother because of grace. And that we can stand before the enemy on a daily basis and say, depart from me, for you have no place in me, for I abide in Christ. And you have no power, nor do you have ground in my life where you might work to further your plan to bring dishonor to my Father in heaven. Leave me. Depart from me. Flee from me, for I am in God through Jesus Christ. Why? Well, that in the ages to come, he might show, you know, my friends, I don't know what is coming in eternity. I don't know if God, I don't know what kind of adventures that are heavenly adventures that we are going to have. I don't know what more God is going to pour out upon us that is good in eternity. But I tell you, you will be given the body to experience all of it. You will be as Christ. We will no longer be bound. I hope you understand this. We will no longer be bound in space and time. We will have capacities that only the imagination guided by the Holy Spirit can suggest. But it will be one wonder after another. My friends, did any of you get up and say, instead of saying, good morning, Lord, you say, good Lord, it's morning. Yes, we live in a fallen world. Your day, every day, is going to be with opposition. It'll be physical. It'll be mental. It will be according to how many ever demons the prince of this world has assigned to you to try to tear you down. But we have victory in Jesus Christ. And so every day when you are facing the death that would overtake you because of the darkness of the world around you, and we're going to see more of it. This is what I'm trying to tell you is coming. Before Christ comes to get us in the air, we are going to see things that we never believed we would see. And we're going to be tried yet. And there will be accusation after accusation. 
that will come either from the world or from Satan or from his demonic spirits, but we will know that we are in a battle. And we will then be able to understand that Joshua, when he put his foot on that ground, knew that what was coming is a battle. And that he would be victorious. And that when God said, go up, I have gone before you, he believed God. And in the end, had he lived long enough, he would have been ashamed to see what had become yeah. of the nation that he led across that river. Yeah. Because men, and I'm sorry, but men destroy everything they touch. And the only way men can do damage to the church is to attempt through those who are Christ to bring each one of us down to some lower levels yes, that's right. than where we actually live. Right. He wants to bring you down. What's going on in the world today and what is coming tomorrow is meant to bring you down and to prepare for that time when Christ will receive us to himself. But then the earth will be judged. And coming out of that seven years, the majority of mankind will have been destroyed. And yet, there are further judgments whereby beast and a false prophet be cast into the lake of fire, whereby the sheep and the goats will be judged at the beginning of the millennial kingdom whereby we will give answer during that parentheses whereby we will be in heaven with the lord during the tribulation we will stand before christ at his judgment seat and all of this is about to come to pass mm -hmm. For all we know, eight years from now could be the end of the tribulation. We do not know. But let us be prepared. And let us know that God's word will never return void. And he has promised and decreed that it is so. That in the ages to come, he might show his riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Dear Lord, glory be to your name. Father, there's not one thing about any of us that we could, we could say, look what I have done. But you will hold us up to every thinking being in the universe and you will say, am I not? God Almighty, am I not the only one? Am I not all I said I am? And do you see the result of my being all that I promised I am or ever will be?
And so we get to that famous passage. That's God showing his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. The man that led me to Christ read this verse early on. Just, just the way it is. He read the verse. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that. You know that. Do not forget verse 10. Because you can't read verse 8 and 9 and leave verse 10 out. For we are his workmanship. And God doesn't make or produce junk. He does not work through the, the he does not allow after promising us so great a salvation through the the death, burial, and resurrection of his son and the, and the great power of the Holy Ghost working in our lives, he does not allow that that will come in any of our lives whereby we will have produced nothing. Why? For we are his workmanship. You know, I think of some of you out there I think this little congregation is blessed with so many people that are gifted in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You're smart. You're you're capable. Uh, you have not shirked responsibility in your life, and that's all well and good. But when it comes to the things of God, there is no room for your and my workmanship. Mm -hmm. Dave and I used to build houses. When the end of the day came, it was five o'clock. I'd say, Dave, let's go, it's five o'clock. And he's standing over there in the corner of the lot that we had bought on which to place that house. And he's looking at something. And I know what's coming. I say, Dave, let's go home. <laughs> what are you looking at? And he would point to whatever he had cast his gaze upon. He'd say, you know what? It's just not right. <laughs> Oh, I hated those words because I knew that the next day we were going to have to tear apart something that we had done that day because it's just not right. Is God a great workman? Yes. When he gets done with his workmanship, do you think? He's going to stand back and say, I've done a good work. 
my will has been performed. And I will receive glory for what I have made out of people who started out as my enemies. And I have lifted them up to be people who are in me and who will live forever with glorified bodies in my heaven and have absolute power according to the will of their head, Jesus Christ, will be given power to continue bringing glory to me for all eternity. I don't think we're going to be done <laughs> angels for eternity. And you know what? They won't be able to fathom even the first thing he did. Because you can't know what it is to be saved unless you are saved. Maybe one was approached in our midst this week. Even who may be listening with that word from an evangelist saying, you need Christ. Mm -hmm. And you said, I don't need Christ. I, huh, well, what was, what was the word of John Bunyan? Do this and live. The law commands. But it gives me neither feet or hands. A much greater promise the gospel brings. It bids me fly. It gives me wings. To God be the glory. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Not that we might willfully live our lives. But we might look at him and say, Lord, what is your will? Wherein we have failed, we say, dear Lord, thank you that you saved me out of it. Yes. Where we have walked apart from the path, you say, dear Lord, thank you, you put me back on it. <laughs> Where we have dishonored you, you picked us up. And you said, you are forgiven. <laughs> and not only that, you are restored. For I sealed you for the day. I sealed you and you cannot be unsealed. And I will make of you a work that my Father will hold up before all beings in the universe and say, to the absolute astonishment of angels, God has done a good work. And he has ordained. He ordained. That means he set it in stone. It must be he ordained it. He decreed it. He ordained that we should walk in them. That is the good work. 
dear God, thank you for your unsearchable riches in Christ Jesus. My friends, all of this is ours if we take the land. Nothing, nothing, not hell, not the demons, not Satan himself can overcome us because we have been given all things, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, given to us, the ones that Christ was not ashamed to say, he was the firstborn of many brethren. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. We, while we have breath, we will claim that you deserve all glory and recognition. And for eternity, Lord, for the work you have done in your Son, is perfected through your spirit in our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Let's pray together. Father, workmanship. Dear Lord, one of the things that you put in us just when you made man was that he could know what it was to carry on creative activity and when he's done with it to look at the work of his hands and say i did it good how much greater and higher all of us when you have put the last enemy down when you have recreated all things, when there is a new heaven and a new earth, when Christ has handed all his victory to you, that you might be all in all. Lord God, every creature, heaven and earth, and even those under the earth, will bow and say Jesus is Lord and some will say it but they never knew it yet they will give honor and glory to you that Jesus is Lord and so father ahead of time before that time when all things are done may we walk in such a way that anybody can look at us and say in that man in that woman in that young person jesus is lord to the glory of the father these things we pray these things lord i 
I lay for me for each one before you and say, dear Lord, bring to perfection your marvelous work for your own name's sake. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.